1: coming we thought we knew it was coming and it is it seems at least to be almost official with the Milwaukee Bucks and Doc Rivers. will talk about it as we hang out with you here on this Wednesday. Welcome to the PHLY Sixers podcast alongside Derek Bodner, Kyle Newbeck. I am Devon Givens. Bree producing all of you out there on this Wednesday and we spoke so much about Joel Embiid on Tuesday and Monday of course after the 70 point game. But then Milwaukee firing Adrian Griffin just interrupted my conversation as I'm talking about Joel and how fantastic like he interrupted your conversation it It was their (laughs) fault for doing so but it gave us of course something to talk about something to look forward to because in all actuality as Kyle said at the end of the show on Tuesday Derek talking about it before we even came on here today look as much as we talk about Doc Rivers Glenn Rivers Rivers whatever you want to call him he's a good coach and what he might do is just bring a little bit more uh well we don't know stability yet but at least some respectability to the sideline where adrian griffin it, it appears has not done that get the respect from the players all of that so we'll dive into that we'll talk about the midway point of the season for the sixers 29 and 13 through 42 games trade deadline of course coming
2: up injuries so much more kyle what's going on man I just feel like, and I'm not trying to spoil anything from Breaking Bad, but when Aaron Paul's character on the show goes, he can't keep getting away with this! (laughs) That's me looking at Doc Rivers getting another high-profile coaching job, coaching another, actually two probably first ballot Hall of Famers in Giannis and Dame. And look, to your point, Devon, you called him a a good coach. I I would say this. I, I think if we're talking about the immediate aftermath of firing Griffin, hiring Doc. I think you could certainly make a case that there will be some stability now and that Doc will come in. And the things that they should have been getting right already that I know there were players or stories out there that they've had some players meetings with Griffin between Giannis, Dame, Brooke Lopez, and Chris Middleton where they're like, hey, what the hell's going on here? Why are we playing this coverage? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And I don't think they'll have to have too many of those type of conversations with Doc, right? Like he'll, he'll come in, he'll sit down with the guys, with whoever his staff is. I know there's a rumor out there Dave Yeager might join him again. And they'll concoct something that resembles a coherent plan for the regular season. But as we discussed at great length on Tuesday show, this is all about, you know, what does this do in the playoffs or what have they accomplished from a playoff perspective with what they've done since last season ended. And historically, the problem has been the same problems that Doc has had with the Sixers, with the Clippers, at times with the Celtics, even though he broke through and won a title with them in 2008. And I don't know that this materially changes anything for the Sixers. Like, I still believe they have a coaching advantage like I did when Adrian Griffin was the coach. Maybe it's a smaller one, but I still believe it's a meaningful one. And when you add that on top of Joel Embiid's playing at a higher level than anybody else and the Sixers team is great on both sides of the bar right now, I don't fear the Milwaukee Bucks, and I don't fear them any more with Doc Rivers coaching the team than with Griffin.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, I think on the one hand they – I think Doc is an upgrade on Griffin. The question is whether it's a material upgrade when it matters. You know, I think there's so many low, so much low-hanging fruit that the Bucks can do to improve their team and make them a little more competitive defensively. That just somebody who can get a base-level scheme in and that makes logical sense will make them a better team. And look, I know they're um, what are they, thirty and thirteen? 30, thirty and thirteen. Thirty and thirteen. They've done that with the twenty-first ranked defense. So it's been poor, and they've done that against the third easiest or no second easiest strength of schedule in the entire league we've been talking about it a bunch where they're about to face a much tougher schedule i didn't I thought that defense was going to get even worse, so if they just put in a scheme that makes logical sense, I think they'll be more you know better equipped to handle both the upcoming tough stretch of play and also the playoffs than they previously were. The question is whether or not Doc Rivers and his Playoff deficiencies are worth going through the midseason upheaval that they are putting themselves through. I think there's almost no question that Doc Lang said, well, make them better in the short term and make their, you know, u- utilize a scheme that makes more sense. But I agree with Kyle that when you go into a coaching series, we all know the track record. We all saw the track record firsthand. I remember talking to Jovan Buha, um, who covered the Clippers back then. Now he covers the lakers uh for the athletic we had him on our podcast at the time and being like look i th- basically think that i feel like doc gets a real good base level scheme that gets the most out of your stars um but once you have to adapt from that scheme in the playoffs he struggles and he's like yeah that's exactly it and we all you know that was coming into the six or ten year we then saw three years of having that verified i think we all have a pretty good idea of what what doc brings and what he doesn't so yes i think like on the one hand the bucks had to correct a the mistake they made last summer like I think Griffin was unquestionably a mistake. He wasn't prepared for the moment. Uh, the players didn't like him. His schemes didn't make sense. He didn't seem like he was willing to adjust any of that. They had to make a change. So I think it was, they will get better almost by default. The question is whether or not you know, they'll get better. Was this the right move to make? Is this, was, was there still more meat on the bones they could have gotten by hiring a different coach who had a better chance of succeeding in the playoffs? I think it's probably true. I think, there was, I think this is the right decision to make, but maybe the wrong final outcome to land on.
1: And maybe it's something that he he well we always say this so I'm probably shooting myself in the foot on this one but something again for him to learn from. But how many how many chances do you need to learn from the previous mistake of what your issues are where you cannot get past a certain level yeah. in the postseason? And he's gonna have a couple. He would of guys have to
3: first admit that he has made a mistake to learn from. For, it. for sure, that's where my brain was at <laughs> too. Sure.
1: Like
2: from we've discussed it on yes. the show already. Like if he had shown some sort of self awareness or reflection. In the months since he's been he was fired from the Sixers we could sit here and say oh this is like new and improved doc 2.0 or maybe doc 1.5 2.0 might be a little generous at this stage of his career but we could sit here and Devon you and I and Derek could say okay like he's a new man he learned from this and he, he's turning over a new leaf there's been none of that yeah yep he, he's a guy that's already been talked about
1: as or named during the top 75 they named the top coaches of all time he's one of them so uh, he's one who really relies on stuff like that. Where he, I'll give him he's this. He's definitely a
2: top seventy-five coach of all. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. He has
1: done that, and he has a title. But uh, going in, and he has he has people who are, who have won a championship who have who was driven the way that Giannis is, the way that he's driven. You have a different player in Damian Lillard that you have to figure that part out, not only offensively, but defensively because of how much these guys have talked about. The numbers with their defense is just terrible right now. So he still has work to do, yeah. and his staff putting that together. Prunty, I was talking to someone yesterday and said, Prunty is one of his guys. So you curious of how – then you see reports of – he was helping Adrian Griffin with certain things and FaceTiming him with how certain things need to go. And all of a sudden, his job is, is his now. But Joe Prunty is one of his guys. Does he stick around? Does, does Dave Yeager come in and, and help things out there? But we already know who he is. He's a very good coach that can certainly come in and maybe, just maybe the talent on that team could overcome some of the stuff that we've seen in the past that are the mistakes because we've seen how Giannis have gotten past certain things. When we talk about Budenholzer in the past, and there were some things that Budenholzer even did during their championship run where he wasn't all that great. And, and Giannis was Giannis, and that was a banged-up Giannis. And you had Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, playing at a very high level during that run to that championship in 2021. Giannis is still that same type of player. Some, some things he's done this season where you kind of look at him and say, eh, I, I, I don't know, but he is still that. And Doc Rivers is going to come in there and he's going to do a decent job of changing. And to your point, Derek, yeah, Adrian Griffin was the wrong one. You tweeted something out about uh, one of the, what was like the SB Nation, the Brew Hoop guys. Mm. And I went back and read the article from the start of the season where they were talking about hey yes they needed to probably make Get a change rid this but yeah. he was the wrong one <laughs> to come in here and do it so whenever you do it you do it and it was the question that you asked yesterday what's the first thing you thought they should have done this a long time ago and they finally did it and now they have potentially it looks like it's going to be doc rivers
3: do you realize that if he coaches the rest of this year and next he will in all likelihood end up with the second most wins in nba history as a coach that's that's crazy it's uh, because he's about 59 behind popovich and well popovich depending on how the spurs do might still be ahead at the end of next year but you know they got a little bit of rebuild ahead of them and he's 60 behind pat riley
1: yeah well look harrison g says this is our last comment right here respectfully i think y'all are giving doc a lot of credit a lot of credit
2: he's a good coach. He has warts, but he's right. a good coach. He's good and is better than who they have. Right. But
3: My thing, I'm not even saying he's a good coach. I'm saying he's better than Adrian Griffin. I think that was a low bar complete player. shambles there, uh, and he was a wrong pick for that franchise at that stage of their life cycle. Um, I think we all understand his warts in the playoffs. I don't think any of us are no. disregarding that. And to Kyle's point, he just said he didn't fear the Bucs. Think about that. A team with Giannis and Dame, he just said they don't fear him in the playoffs. I probably wouldn't go that hard. I look at everything in percentages. Like if they lined up now, I'd probably say, ah, maybe the Sixers have a 60% chance of winning the series. 40% things happen every day and scare the living shit out of me. But I agree that I think the Sixers would have the coaching advantage in that series. But you don't think he's a good coach? He's probably a—he's uh, a good regular season coach, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, that's what we're talking about right now. We've yeah. seen the Bucks perform in the postseason, but for right now, for them to do whatever they need to do to get there, he's a good coach.
3: Yeah, and I think, coaching, I think coaching today is so much tougher than it was 20 years ago. Like, I think the league is so well scouted, and the, the tactics mm-hmm. are so, t- so mm-hmm. advanced, and the shooting places such an emphasis on being adaptable defensively that I think historically he is a good coach, even if right now, like, he might – People regard him as a top 14 coach. I think he's probably about 14th in the league right now. So is he a competent coach? Is he an average coach? Probably. I'm not sure I'd rate him as a top 10 coach in the league right now. So for, there's a real wide variety of opinions on Doc. Um, but also, we also got a up close and personal look at in the last three years. That could be tainting our opinion a little bit. That being said, I don't think we're that far off.
2: And, and here's also what I would say. Even if we were to all agree, like we bring Derek along and say, we all think he's a good coach, Every, whatever the semantics are. Anywhere from that.
3: competent to good.
2: Even if we were all in agreement on that, I think, and I said this the moment that they made the Dame Lillard trade, and Derek didn't dismiss it. I think he was a little more in on the offense as I was thinking about this. I just don't think they have the defensive personnel anymore. Like, they have two great building blocks in Giannis and Brooke Lopez as a drop defender, or rim protector, but Dame Lillard is one of the single worst defenders in the league for various reasons. They are playing a lot of guys in that rotation who are not good defenders and are not going to become good defenders just because they change coaches. Now, That being said, you
3: shouldn't be hedging and blitzing. Correct. You should be trying to defend a small space, not a large space. Yes.
2: It's all about, like, you can have bad defenders and put those bad defenders in better positions to succeed, right? Like, same thing on the other side of the ball. Right. P.J. Tucker is not a super valuable offensive player, but for a long time he carved out a productive role because he had one thing he could do well, and you put him next to guys and in lineups and in spots that he could succeed in. And so Doc will do some of that. He will you know, make the warts less meaningful yes. for some of these guys. But if you're talking about you get into a playoff series and – your Nick Nurse, your Joe Mazzulla, your Eric Spolstra, whoever it is that's going to be coaching against Doc and the Bucks, they will point at three quarters of Milwaukee's rotation and say, We can hunt that guy until they can't play him anymore. And even like they're never going to take Dame off the floor, right? Like it's not, it'll never get to that point. I, I would guarantee that. But You can point at Dame Lillard, who's one of their two most important players, as an opposing coach, opposing team, and say, if we get a switch on him, I feel like 75% confident our guy is going to go by him, go through him, draw a foul, or shoot over him and score. That's how much of a terrible defender that he is. So even if we were like in unison, Doc is a difference maker, and none of us are saying that, they have real flaws at the personnel level they're putting smoke out there through, like, Chris Haynes. Like, oh, they're interested in DeJounte Murray. Yeah, I bet they are interested in good <laughs> yeah. players because they don't have enough of them. So that, that is the underlying thing with Milwaukee, too. Like, this is an important thing that they did to get rid of Griffin, who I think most people who follow the NBA would agree was not suited for that job, and they did a smart thing to get rid of him. Whether that's actually a meaningful difference to help them get closer to a title— that I'm not willing to say.
3: And to your point of is Doc a good coach or not, I think he is a very good I, I don't want to say a dismissively... I didn't even bring up
2: Malik Beasley, by the way. Yeah, He's yeah. another terrible defender. To, but yeah.
1: I, when yet. I say like
3: regular season coach, I almost don't even want to say that dismissively. What I mean is I think he sets a very, very good base level scheme to both make use of your stars and to win games. And then at some point in a regular in the postseason teams adjust they throw out stuff they haven't shown all season and i don't think he adapts that well so very good in terms of setting your base schemes tough to adjust in today's nba i think that becomes like people have a wide range of opinions on that but with the bucks they have so many people that you can exploit he has to be able to adapt in the playoffs that's why i don't really think this fit is going to work but it's probably better than griffin just probably not as good as maybe the best option they could have gotten at this time
2: and and like even on the defensive side of the ball too Look at how Nick Nurse has attacked this season for the Sixers, for example. Like, it played pretty similar in most games throughout the year. And then there was like a week and a half where it was Tobias Harris is going to defend every big man and they use the big as the roamer. And that was not even just Joel Embiid. That was Paul Reed defending in the Kings game as Tobias is defending Demonte Sabonis. And just... Installing that and in the shoot around and saying, we're just going to do this today. Like we haven't worked on it all year. We're going to do that. And that's not doc. Like doc wants to build consistent habits and there is value in that. You will win a lot of regular season games by doing that. There's a reason he's won 50 plus games, a ton of times. Some of that is talent, but some of that is doc knows if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He taught that to Joel and Joel loves that principle now. But there comes a time when the rubber meets the road. And as I have said 15 times, I feel like in the last few weeks, you get to the playoffs, everybody's plan A and most of the time plan B gets taken away on both an individual and a group level. So how quickly can you think of another plan and adapt to that new reality so that they have to adjust back to you? And Doc has never really proven that he can do that on a consistent basis. And just to be clear, as I call him a good coach, that's just because I think he's a good coach.
1: Uh, not one of my favorites to to watch around the league. Again, when he became available from leaving the Clippers, I didn't want the Sixers to hire him. I, I did not. I gave him credit when he did certain things during the regular season. I even felt at times, even in Toronto series, when they played against the the Raptors, what was that, in 2022? Was that? No, 2021, right? 21 when he played the Raptors in the postseason? Uh, 20, no, 22. 22. 22. Yeah. You were right. the, 22, first, that was the first heat here. Yeah. yeah, and I thought he outcoached Nurse in, in that one. I thought he did a good job. I, th- I, I did. But it doesn't mean that I think he's a, a a championship-winning coach anymore because he hasn't done it in so many years. And to to you guys' points, there's so many things, so many things that he does poorly where you look at him and you say, yeah, this." I am not worried from the Sixers point because – now things have changed where i like nurse that much where i think nurse will outcoach him for what we have seen so far from nick nurse and the sixers on the Sixers sideline coaching these guys up so it's going to be an interesting development overall to see how it all plays out we'll talk about uh, what these guys are going to uh fare, how they're going to fare against one another because they're in the top three things look pretty good right now with boston milwaukee and philadelphia in terms of the record stuff where things go, 42 games in the books for the Sixers, where do they fare in the Eastern Conference? And we're going to get to that Can you in just a minute. Can you
3: imagine, though, like if we have a second-round playoff and we get to cover Doc again in a playoff series, but you're not, your, your emotional well-being is not tied to his decisions? That will be great. And if you want to be in the building for when that happens, start saving up some money now. In order to do that,
2: What a segue. Maybe start
3: using Rocket Money. We all want to make sure that you're getting the most out of your money and that you're not wasting money on unnecessary subscriptions. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all of your subscriptions in one place, and if you see something you don't want, you can cancel it with a tap and you never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com P-H-L-Y. It's rocketmoney.com P-H-L-Y. Rocketmoney.com P-H-L-Y.
1: And with that money that you save, you want to go to that game, maybe when the Sixers do come back to town after their road trip, a couple of games on the road, and you want to check them out back here in South Philadelphia, have to send you to our good friends from Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful at all. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. We're going to do our team theater visit. God, Rich, we pulled Rich in there on that one, talking to him on Monday night. He's probably going to tag along and go to the theater with us. Oh, oh, we got everybody in. Look at that. Yeah, look at that. So with killer deals on those last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have. Lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection as well. Images of the seat view so you don't have a a view where you're looking right into a big block of whatever that's in front of you because you can't see uh, from that angle. It lets you know exactly where you're going to be. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're all set. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Tickets are sent directly to your phone like I have on mine. So you never have to dig through your email whatsoever. Tickets also make for a great Birthday gifts, of course around the holiday. If you did it and you listened to us, you made sure you took care of your loved ones. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account. Use code PHLY for twenty dollars off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest
2: price, guaranteed. I wanna quick before we go back to the Sixers, I do see some people talking about it that The Eagles are supposed to be having their press conference with Sirianni and Howie Roseman right now. Are they late? And the reporters are saying who are there that Sirianni and Howie are currently in a meeting and the presser is delayed. It's like, you couldn't have had the fucking meeting another time? Like, you had, what, a week and a half since you lost this game to get together and
1: chat about this? Especially because you
3: know if you delay this press conference, people are going to speculate. Like, what are you doing? Yes.
1: The last time it happened this way... Peterson was not happy with the with that discussion and he and he left or mutual parting of
2: ways there's They're, never a mutual parting yeah, of ways how, how, how they framed it was a mutual parting of ways that's like when people end a relationship and it's like oh yeah we both decided we were done with this <laughs> At the same exact time nonsense, yeah. but
1: that yeah. was a week later too wasn't it yeah, about a week week and a half later with the peterson thing where I, he wouldn't he would,
2: everything about this eagles situation is just so bizarre to me that's like both coordinators stink but now they are having to target guys who either failed miserably as coordinators or are retread head coach types who would never get poached again. Like, no disrespect to the, the Frank Reichs and the Ron Rivera's of the world who might actually help them, but uh, the whole thing is just – anyway, it's I don't want to go on a whole tangent on it, but it has irritated me for the last week and a half after watching that slop against Tampa. Come on, man. And they had it set up right too. I mean, look, Detroit was Detroit,
1: and Detroit is fun. I actually want to see Detroit advance, but Green Bay knocking off, almost knocking off uh, San Francisco. Things could have worked out differently. Just yeah. Anyway, I know.
2: Let's let's get back to. Also, there was some pushback on, and I agree with the chatters on this one. Pushback on Devon saying that Doc out, Coach Nurse in twenty two. I think it's probably more likely that he just had an overwhelming talent advantage. <laughs> yeah, helps. like that, that Raptors team. I, in fairness to Devon and to anybody else who would make that claim, I remember going into that series that the Raptors were a very sexy, upset pick. Like they were the oh, they're gonna scare Philly and I was like Have you guys watched the Raptors play basketball Mm -hmm. basically at all this year? Mm -hmm. Because they are the epitome of a not scary playoff team. Just can't score in the half court, can't stop Joel Embiid. And that played out even if they made it a little messy in the end. Well, to defend
1: myself, (laughs) because I will... Um, when I, Going into that, to your point, I, I did some Toronto radio before the series, and mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, as you, to, your, to your point, sexy pick, they can knock off the sixes. I'm like, guys, um, I like Nurse, and I think if they win, it'll be more because of Nurse. And, and what, he ha, what he has on that roster is not enough. And yeah. I, I agree with you guys that the talent level was so different. And I told them I was like five, maybe six it will get to. But I didn't even expect it to get to the sixth the way it did uh, in that series. But, of course, Nick Nurse made some good adjustments. And Sixers do Sixers things. And he found a way to lose a couple of those games. But I, I thought that coming in, the one advantage that Toronto did have was Nick Nurse. Yeah. And once the series played out that way, and yes, Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid and the talent that the Sixers had, I thought Doc Rivers did nice things in that series. So... That's fine. Everybody, you guys
2: can wow, tell me the that. Doc Rivers apologist over here. Yeah, the Jeez. tour is
1: going on, even, that he's not, even as he leaves. Yeah, <laughs> but I thought that he did some good things in that series. And then when we got to the next series against the Miami Heat, of course, Embiid didn't play the first two games, but after that, Sposter was just, you know, Spolstra and did those things. So, yeah. So, yeah, I defend myself. I, say, I said it, and I'll say it
3: again. I will say two other things to finish up sort of the Doc portion of the show this was from mark stein said league sources say now that the des- that Giannis's desire to play for griffin is better described as a determination to play for someone other than nick nurse i don't entirely know what Giannis's problem with nick nurse was but this was something that you know nick withdrew his name from consideration for that job a lot of people speculate at the time it's because he wasn't going to get it uh certainly this would put add a little bit to that um just something interesting that came up and Frankly, we mentioned this yesterday, it's great when your star doesn't sort of force coaching decisions or roster decisions uh, because that was a huge misstep for them. Also, just want to say this was from Shams. uh, Okay,
2: I was going to say, if you didn't get to it, it, I'm still going to get to it. I mean, if you have
3: any other comments on the Mark Stein one, but I think this is probably the more explosive one. Shams says that league sources say Doc Rivers began to serve as an informal consultant to Griffin at the behest of the Bucks. One month later, he is now a coach. You can't, and we, we got some first-hand experience with this. You can't put somebody in an advisory role who could benefit from the failure of the person he's advising. You can't put someone in place who can get either who very clearly or wants could to take coach the again. job. Yeah. Right, this is part of the reason that you get enough opportunities to get the what could be the second most wins in NBA history is to be a politician to put yourself in place to get those jobs. To act as an informal consultant Again, at the behest of the Bucks. So it wasn't like Griffin was like, Hey, can you come in here and help me out? No, the Bucks brought him in to advise Griffin and then he got his job after he was fired. Really, really slimy way to go about getting that job. And I don't know. He might have given great advice. We don't know that. He might not have even wanted the job, although I'm guessing he probably did, but it's just the optics of what it. What makes are you say that? When he got terrible. hired in less um, than forty eight hours, trying the- to cover my ass. That's all. The optics <laughs> of it are a
2: disaster. Listen, man, here's, here's my biggest problem with it. Doc would probably be the first guy to tell you the importance of the coaching fraternity and how small a circle it is and treating people right and like won't criticize his peers and oppressor. And to take it an even step further, he would tell you... Now, this problem has been somewhat corrected in recent years. He would tell you how tough it's been for black coaches to get opportunities in the NBA relative to the amount of white coaches that are in the league, and he has faced some of those problems in the past. And then he's undermining a first-year blackhead coach who had, based on reporting, had 13 different interviews prior to the 14th interview he did to get the Bucs job. Like, this is a guy who has been trying, like, whatever we say about the, the coaching acumen of Griffin, and, and all of us are in agreement that the Bucs probably did the right thing. This is somebody that had to grind and grind and grind for a long time to get his one opportunity. And whatever actually happened to Derek's point behind the scenes, what it looks like is that Doc Rivers, who has made millions upon millions of dollars, was getting paid by both the Sixers and ESPN at the same time, could very well just like ride off into the sunset, play golf the rest of his career was with Milwaukee and looks like he was undermining Griffin in some ways and was waiting for the Bucks to do this so that he could sign a contract in basically 24 hours after this guy got fired. Like, to Derek's point, it may just be optics. It may just be weird timing, and the Bucs brought him in. It's not his fault that the Bucks came to him and said, Hey, can you help? Can you do this? What is your advice for this? That's not his fault. But he knows as well as anyone how shitty of a look this is. And, and it's just a, it, it's a poor reflection on a guy who, if somebody else had done this to him, we would not hear the end of it for the next 15 to 20 years about how he had been done wrong and it was everyone else's fault but, but his own. So shame on him for that. I don't appreciate that at all.
3: Yeah. No, it, It's it's if you were going to bring someone in, especially an experienced coach who clearly wants to coach as an advisor – he, it has to be known right from the get go. You are not qualified. Like you are not in the running if there was ever a job opportunity. Like you can't, yeah. you can't get real impartial advice if the dude can benefit from it. It's uh, just, it's yeah. real bad.
2: It really. I don't, I don't know no how
3: billionaires way. haven't figured this out yet. I just, anyway. Even <laughs> well, just from a PR
2: perspective, like PR's got to figure that out. Like you that, and I, I don't know. I have nothing more to say on him. that's just. Don't? I don't appreciate it at all. Him in general? Yeah. Just like that whole the, the, look, situation. It's one, it's one yes. thing to take a job, right? Like, I don't begrudge Doc for wanting to get back in the league. Like, whatever you say about him, he wants to be coaching. He enjoys coaching. He would not keep taking these jobs and these opportunities if the money was all that mattered, right? Like, he would have had a cushy job at ESPN doing that and just talking about the game, doing his low effort commentary that he's been doing wants to do it. And I certainly don't begrudge him for that. I will absolutely begrudge him when he is slimy, when he is a backstabber, and when he's doing shit like this. And that's how it comes off to me.
3: I mean, look, if you can get money for looking into a camera, putting in a little bit of effort and getting money for it, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. You just can't backstab a coach.
1: Yeah. Well, hey man, he, he did it are we surprised, honestly? I, I, I'm not surprised that he went that direction because we, we've, we've talked about him a number of times, been around him all these years, and, and we've seen it. Someone even brought up in the chat a, bit, a little bit earlier about a few years ago before he took the job where Ty Lue was in the conversation to come here to Philadelphia. And he was, of course, talking to Ty Lue about coming to Philadelphia and championing, championing him to come to Philadelphia. And next thing you know, he takes the job. <laughs> So, are we surprised? No. If he likes it, and even though someone else has it, don't get me started. It's like the Steve Harvey and the Bernie Mac thing. Bernie Mac got oceans. Steve Harvey trying to
2: backstab his buddy. Shout yeah. out to the legend, Bernie Mac. Correct, because it wouldn't <laughs> have worked, my man. It wouldn't have worked. That's a second worked. Bernie Mac reference in say, like two get- weeks, so <laughs> we're really like an honorary... This is a Bernie Mac podcast, man. <laughs> Come on.
1: Come on. But no, I mean not surprised at all uh, by by this. Not not whatsoever because that's doc Rivers. So where are we at now? I guess
2: just looking at this from a, a mid-season perspective or Yeah.
1: Yeah, we can we can get to that. You want to talk about uh I guess, look, I'm I, don't,
2: I don't know if they have Brooklyn-style bagels in Milwaukee. Yeah. I would imagine it's tough to replicate an East Coast feel, and East Coast food in the middle of the country. But we can do that right here in Philadelphia because Bagels & Co. offers those huge Brooklyn-style bagels Made right here in Philadelphia. I eat bagels several days a week. Bagels and Co. offers an average of around 15 to 20 types of bagels. They rotate seasonally, so that variety, when you're eating bagels as often as I do, is absolutely critical. You have to be able to skip between a few different ones. And they also have some theme bagels around the holidays, Christmas ones that we were missing. I still need to get an update on, on what they have cooking for the upcoming, you know, maybe Easter, Valentine's Day, whatever going to have to keep an eye on that but if you're a cream cheese guy like i am regardless of what the theme bagels are they offer 30 different flavors of cream cheese that rotate all throughout the year and bagels and co do themed cream cheeses for all the local sports teams including the sixers They will not be making a Dock River steamed cream cheese. Anytime soon, I can guarantee you that. I don't know if it would be snake flavored, but we'd have to see. (laughs) Just as important as the variety in their cream cheese is that overall affordability. Bagels & Co. has kept their prices down so that you can be an everyday customer, even as all of us are combating inflation at the grocery store, at the gas pump, all that. You don't have to be someone who just comes in for a weekend splurge. And they offer premium coffee. To go with your bagel at a superior price to most national brands and chains. So for the best Brooklyn style bagels made right here in Philadelphia, head to www.thebagelsandco.com store dash locator to find the closest bagels and co near you. And I can guarantee that while we speak of Rivers,
1: you won't be getting the Rivers bobblehead either. And you might want to get a Joel Embiid instead because you don't have, you don't need a Rivers bobblehead in your home. You need a big fella, number 21 for your home team. Make sure you go to FOCO, leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and much more. Best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms going to basketball or hockey game. Yeah, You want to be spiffy and snazzy and show your love? For the team, well get yourself the new branded friendship bracelets. Got my guys here. Gotta get the
2: friendship bracelets from Foco. Hey, I don't and know. If, if we, we go gotta... to the theater together with friendship <laughs> bracelets, people are gonna start asking some questions. I don't know.
1: Hey, man. Well, <laughs> if you do want to do that, whether it's <laughs> hoodies, jackets, beachwear, or even those overalls, I saw some overalls on another team in another city during the playoffs. I was like, ah, oh, they probably got that from Foco because they did. They even tagged Foco in the tweet. There's something for fans for almost every occasion. Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces. 4 our sets. You see the sets there right behind us, right behind Kyle. Foco always has our back for Philly Sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. Of course, for all non-pre-sale items, use the promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Again, PHLY 10 for 10% off.
3: Which uh, which group was the show you love Sixers? It was a Lou that Will was Evan was Turner? Was he there? It was that definitely one, pre-processed. That was the one just don't with the, like the three one. fingers. Yeah.
1: Um, I think that was Lou. Yeah, I think that was Lou. Lou, because he did, he started it. He said, show, he? "Yeah, he, he started that." So that's where
2: that one was branded. Yeah, yeah, show you love. <sighs> So we need to show well before we get to any you know
1: big well, picture got, stuff we, we do have a updates, bunch of super and chats and we also have super chats yeah. and then
3: we have big picture stuff so sit tight we might be here for a little while and yeah. i
1: might have to defend myself again because a string of comments come in like that. i mean am not you, defending myself you went on
3: a sixers show and was like man that doc rivers he's a good coach good coach you should have seen it coming buddy and you i'm big seen on good
1: great you know all that stuff when you use those words yeah he said good. I, I deliberately said good, not great. He's not a, I didn't think he was a great coach. I think he was a good coach. Anyway, I don't care. Whatever.
3: That's right, Devon. You're a good host. Thank
1: you. I've, I'll thrive to be great. <laughs> I'll thrive to not be the Doc Rivers of this show. <laughs> oh,
2: you. oh, you're definitely not the Doc Rivers of this show. I don't know who is. But that's if you, if you don't know who it is, then maybe it's you. So I'm going to have to think about that one for a little bit. All right. Want to get to uh, the injuries? First, and then we'll
1: get sure. to the Super Chats. Right. So, uh,
3: DeAnthony Melton, uh, he's had a lumbar sp- lumbar spine stress response. Sixer said that he completed an offloading period and will begin ramping up to return to play. He is traveling on the road t- road trip, but listed as out. He will be reevaluated in a week. So, still a little bit ways away, but closer than the next guy we're about to get to. Robert Covington has left knee inflammation. Sixer said he continues to receive treatment to address Inflammation and a bone bruise in his knee. He is out and will be re- re- reevaluated in three to four weeks. So Covington, it sounds like, is a good bit away. Melton's still not super close, but at least progressing towards that. But neither were necessarily great updates, I didn't think.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a very good chance Robert Covington's played his last game yeah. as a sixer because at this point, one, he was barely in the rotation when he was healthy right like we had seen nick lean more toward marcus morris and some other options at wing spots which you know not to say that i always agree with it but that's the way he went so that's where he is in the pecking order and now that three or four weeks is putting you past the deadline so unless he somehow survives which given that he's got a decent sized expiring contract and be able to match a bunch of different types of deals I tend to think that his time here might be over. Now, it's premature. We don't know yet. It's going to be right up until the deadline for any move to get made. So that was my first thought.
3: That being said, like even like three to four weeks alone takes us past the deadline. And that's not when he'll return. That's yes. when he'll be reevaluated. Yeah. So like it could be even a good case might be if he's still on the roster in March, you might see him if things go well. Yeah, It's a while.
2: And so not a good sign for him. And look, like – there have definitely been times where maybe I or we have overestimated Cov and what he can bring to the team. But if you look at some of the things that have happened recently, rebounding, for example, Cov is a good yep. rebounder for his position. So as they've had issues, he might have been able to help out there as a off the bench piece. Or you know, Marcus Morris has a bad shooting night. You say sit your ass on the bench and we just bring somebody else in. So just have, being down an option is not as good as if you had more options and. Hopefully Melton is able to play at some point over this next week. I think it's a great sign that he's actually traveling with the team and they're not saying, hey, stay home and rehab and do all that because that would suggest to you there is no chance that he plays. So uh, cautiously optimistic when it comes to him, but I guess we'll find out.
3: And again, the, the Sixers don't come back. Like, their road trip goes through February 1st, so that is more than a week out. Uh, he, they're on the longest road trip of the season. So, yeah, good that he made that trip.
1: Yeah, and as far as Covington goes, injuries always come out of nowhere. You can't anticipate an injury, but when his took place, it was surprising that he was missing, okay, he's missing this game. All right, no problem. Then he's missing another week, and now it has turned into what it has turned to, just spiral to oh, yeah. it may go big through time. the deadline, and, and that's a big – especially with his knee, and that's not something that you really want to deal with, and that's why he's not, he's not out there, not testing it, and not putting it in, in harm's way by, by any means. So we'll see, man. As, as you said, it might be – that might have been it for him. His yep. run with the Sixers second time around might might have been it. Might have been it. So, we get to some some of the super chats here Let's and do it. run some of those, and we'll get to the conversation about where the team stands in the Eastern Conference. Bernard starts us off. Hello, fellas. What's up, nart With the Heat getting scary, Terry Terry Rozier and the Bucks getting Rivers. We need to get some like Murray to shore up this lineup due to injuries. Bernard, well, just ask the guys.
3: That's well, sort of our next segment.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say one. I'm not trying sure to put getting Terry Rozier and Doc Rivers on the same level. <laughs> like I think Rozier is probably more impactful than just Players making sure you don't have do a contender. Yeah, yeah. The guy who's on the floor is a bigger difference See, maker. Bernard thinks he's a difference maker. Doc Rivers, look at him. Look at you, Nard. Well, look, we've talked about Murray quite a bit, and I said over the weekend, I believe it was probably Sunday, maybe Monday, that. There's been pushback from you know sources, however you want to frame it, that the Sixers are not in on Murray. I am still skeptical of that idea, right like i I think based on how this market will probably shake out, I think they'll, there will be an opportunity for them, if they really wanted to, to trade for Murray, where it sits right now, where you know Atlanta is asking for multiple firsts. And a youngish or like solid starter. So let, just for frame of reference, let's just say a DeAnthony Melton type player and two firsts. I don't want to give up two firsts nope. for Dejounte Murray, non-starter. I, I, I'm not interested in doing that. If you're telling me I'm paying one first, giving up Melton and a contract expiring contract, so a, a Marcus Morris or a Robert Covington type. That's a deal I'm in on. That's where, you know, as we talk about, should they go all in? What do they need to do to keep step with Boston and, you know, protect themselves against getting to a playoff series and teams just wall off Tyrese Maxey and they need more ball handling? I'm in on that. But once you get to the point of trading multiple firsts, that's, I don't believe Murray justifies that. And, frankly, I don't think the market will dictate that. I think big part of the reason – that we hear Murray's name is that Atlanta is trying to get ahead of Dejounte and Rich Paul, saying "Get me the fuck up out of yeah. here," and making it more of a and like that's not to criticize Rich or Dejounte. I'm saying I think they have handled this fairly quietly up to this point. It's very clear the Dejounte Trey partnership is not working for a, for a variety of reasons, and Atlanta's trying to get ahead of that. If DeJounte stays with this team through the deadline, I am not so sure that they're gonna be quiet about it anymore, and that is the point when value goes completely off the cliff.
3: To your point, though, on DeJounte and maybe getting ahead of a trade request, I think DeJounte wants to be a point guard. And quite frankly, I yes. think he's much better as a point guard. He is better shooting off the dribble than he is off the catch. He's more comfortable shooting off the dribble than he is off the catch. His playmaking is at least more relevant. Uh, the problem in Atlanta is Trey has absolutely no interest playing off ball, doesn't give one shit, doesn't give on an effort both doing both ends it.
2: of the floor, by the both way. Both
3: <laughs> ends of the ball, but including on offense, even though he should be a good catch shooter, yeah. he just doesn't move. He doesn't give any effort, so they have to run him on ball. And quite frankly, they should. He's a great uh, passing player and a great an offense unto himself so the fit there isn't great fit might be a little better here in philly because maxi can play off ball he's a willing off ball shooter he's a willing off ball mover coming off of screens uh elite catch and shoot player so the fit is there my concern is i want to grow that tyrese maxi dwell and bead pairing because i think it can develop into something truly great i think there's a limited cap on a Dejounte murray and bead pick and roll i'm not sure what the absolute upside of a maxi and bead one is and if murray wants to have the ball in his hands he wants to be a point guard he wants to he's most effective as a point guard to kyle's point i'm not giving up two first round picks i don't even want to give up one first round pick if it is that clippers pick i want to keep that one uh to make sure that you're flexible for a future deal i'm not going to react look i think miami got better with the um Rogier trade and i think that was a real upgrade they needed to make i think kyle lowry as a starting point guard was done they had recently benched him uh, i just don't think he was effective enough to maintain that role in those minutes so i think this is important for them and i think they got it at a pretty good price but i don't think you react to that by getting a guy who again i always go back to i just don't like the fit of i don't believe in the off ball shot uh, i don't believe in three-point shot in general i'm not giving up all of the war chest and for me two of the two of the first round picks that of the three that you have to trade
0: Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed.
1: Yeah, two firsts, no go. Of course, it's a no go for it, me. It's, yeah. it's a no go. And we've talked about buying into a little bit more on the Murray piece, but after seeing that two firsts and they're trying to recoup what they gave up in the first place to give it to San Antonio, that's just a, that's just a bit too much for, for that players much as we've tried to talk ourselves into it, you just can't do it, so then you just go back to the Bog- Bogdanovich conversation and some of these other names that we, we've discussed, because if that's what they're going to be asking, at least that's the starting point. Like we talked about before coming in, that's where the negotiations begin. We're still a few weeks away from the actual deadline on the 8th, so maybe it'll come down, but we'll, we'll see. Two, two is a no-go, though.
3: Two is definitely a no-go. To Kyle's point, though, whenever you hear pushback like this, a lot of it's like... There's so much posturing in the media and if the Hawks are looking to get out in front of it, the Sixers want it to be make sure that like they're not, you know, they want to push back to make it seem like the Hawks have to come down in their price. Everything is posturing until we get to February eighth. Just because you hear one thing now doesn't mean that there's no chance. It's just noise. And there's
2: also <laughs> transparently, there's the agent part of it too, sure. right? Like the yeah. agents are trying to steer their guys to it doesn't have to be one specific team, but definitely certain situations right. that they know their client is going to be happy in. And I would say this, I'm almost more confident. I think they're, I wouldn't say equally unlikely. I'm almost more confident in Levine buying into a role than DeJounte. Like, I think if you brought Zach Levine here, in terms of the offensive hierarchy, I think you could get him on board easier than DeJounte. Yep. Just because, to your point, Derek, and this is absolutely true, I think DeJounte sees himself as a point guard and is better as a point guard and most likely wants to go somewhere where he – like the Lakers makes a lot of sense for him if he's going to move to a team that's trying to win right now because they're going to move Russell if they trade for him. There is a clear vacuum at that spot. He walks into that job and – that's just a, a more hand-in-glove fit for him. So I like I would understand that completely if he feels that way. But if you're the Sixers, that means there has to be a pretty like low ceiling on what your offer can be. Yeah, I saw a funny one after the Lakers deal. They were talking about Russell
1: teaming up with Trey Young, and someone was saying on social media how how good of a pairing that would be in the backcourt. I'm like, really? <laughs>
2: okay. Well, the, the intel on Atlanta is the, the everything I've heard and that has been reported publicly is that they don't even want him. That's the they. Right. If they were to make a deal with the Lakers, they're flipping him for whatever Fast. the hell they can get for him. Fast. So, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know who that was. Yeah. But I, I, that I don't know if I thing. need to hear any more basketball takes from them. I guess that was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, okay,
1: yeah. This the good player didn't work uh, if, if with Deshaun st Murray, but you want to bring in D'Angelo Russell and think that that's going to work? What were you going to say? I don't remember. Okay, let's there get to There
3: was the a, a, a super chat that I think sort of touched on this from Sanj, mm-hmm. uh, which says a six-starting lineup is plus 34 per one, plus thirty four points per one on possessions, which he notes is the highest in the 17-year NBA lineup database with a minimum of 200 minutes. I'm going to take his word for it. I haven't verified that. Why change at any cost versus a bench scorer like Boyan?
2: I would assume he means Bogdan because he's more of the bench scorer type. I, I mean, maybe Hulls, they're both yeah, – Bogdanovich. It got
3: could his be uh, confused. That's I, fine. Happens in the best of Look. If, then again, if, if Bogdan was brought in, I'd probably end up starting him too. Yeah, that's I'd interesting. I'd put him in a melt and roll, I think. I would. I would. It's at least
2: worth considering, yeah. for yeah. sure. But to Sanja's point, it's sort of the difficult part of this deadline for the team, right? Like, we can sit here and say, hey, when they get to the playoffs, stars win, and, and I'm worried that – the responsibilities are being put too firmly in Joel and Tyrese's hands when you just need, like, a, a third release valve, like someone who's um, not to pick on him because he's been very good lately, but someone not Tobias Harris to throw the ball to that they can go create not just for themselves but create a shot for somebody else. And how do you do that but also not upset the the balance that they've struck with the, the role players, the shooters, the guys who just understand what they're here for? I think generally like you can almost always accomplish that by just trading for guys at the right point in their career, right? Like there are lots of guys who this conversation boils down to how many trials and tribulations have they gone through and how willing are they to buy in and sacrifice to win. And that normally takes until you go through most of your 20s as a young, talented guy with upside who is one of the most important players on a team, and one day you wake up and you look at yourself in a mirror and say, you know, what am I doing this for? Like, I, I made all the money. I, I've gotten a lot of accolades, but how badly do I want to win? And that's the important part going into these deadlines, and even in the off season is finding the guys who maybe they're miscast as a star somewhere else. Maybe they're a role player hiding in plain sight, whatever it is finding guys at the exact right moment to pair with, you have the 1A star in Joel, you have the young ascending guy in Tyrese who, as good as he is, understands it's Joel's team and and allows Joel to to drive the car and still has his own success. Who is going to fit within that ecosystem? It's a really interesting question this time of year.
3: To his point on the lineup data, like, I think the lineup data is so strong because you have Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, Nick Batum as a perfect fit, Tobias Harris, at least, is a talented player. I don't think it's necessarily like you can't change anything. Like, right. oh, no, you can't change the Anthony Belton because the the lineup data is good right now. I think you trust in those th- those four remaining guys, and if you can get another guy who fits alongside of it— you trust that you will be able to integrate a player like that, even if it is someone like Bogdan maybe stepping in over DeAnthony Melton because you want maybe that gravity or that off-ball shooting or that movement or that secondary creation. Uh, I think you had have, you would have faith in that carrying over because of the four guys who are remaining. Uh, so I think you can go up there, but I think it does speak a little bit. Like when we talk about Murray, part of it is I don't necessarily want to up, upset the Embiid Maxi dynamic, and I think Murray has a chance to do that. That's part of the reason along with the fact that he's cheaper, both in terms of his contract and his uh, cost to acquire, that I would prioritize someone like Bogdan over Murray, even though Murray might be the better player. I think Bogdan's a cheaper player. The player you can acquire more cheaply and who would be a better, more natural fit uh, alongside what you already have. All right. You- just
2: go get Bogdanovich and Caruso, and let's, let's go just be done with do the playoffs. Yeah. Just, just be done with it. Jay says, uh, Doc... <laughs> Talking about Doc Rivers.
1: Trash Truck Juice. Sixers (laughs) and Five. Go get me, Brogdon. Thank you, Jay. Good to see you, man. Also really says, Devon
2: will say it. Devon the goat with three goat emojis. Yeah, I'm not so saying that. But I, thank you, Jay. I, I will say it. I knew you
1: wouldn't say it, but I will. Jay's I'll, a good guy from, from my former days and glad to have you here with us, Jay. Make sure five days a week hang out with the guys. Post game as well. No,
3: To be clear, that is just normal Jay, not like Jay of the jungle. No, no. no that's this normal Jay. Jay, Jay, no. is, Jay
1: this was is just always Jay.
3: Not, not normal Jay, because he's probably mm-hmm. still an exceptional Jay. He's oh, just yeah. not a Jay of the jungle.
2: Yeah, Jay no. is exceptional Jay. and Jay was... Jay like men in Long black jay or yeah. i don't know <laughs> right or no that's just they just go by the initial right that's just the letter, letter that's J. Not the jay letter J.
1: but thank you jay uh Doc is trash truck juice <laughs> and um, six might and have five to think about
2: a shirt for phly locker <laughs> centered around trash truck juice I don't the know. sixes and five against the bucks jay says
1: we appreciate that harrison g jumps in kyle Can you give some names that haven't been shot down by the Sixers? I'm desperate. Well, not just me. For the trade slot.
2: you guys have your connections as well. Well, I'll tell you who they (laughs) have shot down so far. Siakam, who already got moved. Levine, who's probably not getting moved. Murray, but that's the one that, as I just said, I'm... I'm a little flexible on that Wrong one.
3: Thrown cold water on Bruce Brown. Bruce
2: Brown is another one. But again, that they, I
3: wouldn't say that's shot down. It's more like cold water.
2: Yeah, I, I think between means. current price and interest level from contenders, other contenders, I should say, and the piece that we talked about previously that don't trust him to shoot, which is more important on a Joel Embiid-centric team than a lot of other teams, I think they're cooler on him than perhaps the marketplace is. So those are the guys I can tell you no on. In terms of who they might be in on, I, they are doing a good job of disguising whatever it is they want. I think if we're talking about general needs, I think they believe they need maybe a different option at the big spot. It's something I've been talking about for months, even as you know, Mo Bamba had some good games, Paul Reed. I do think that perhaps there is belief in the building that a big-bodied center now that could be accomplished perhaps with a, a buyout, buyout yeah. or that's not necessarily a trade piece so that's something i keep an, an eye on i'm less concerned and i think the sixers probably feel the same way about the backup ball handler stuff and you, know, you heard names like delon wright thrown around at different points so that'd be somebody to, a very low cost option to potentially bring in here but if you guys are asking me for who are the big fish that are shoot, out there that they're Lowry in on marking into, yeah. well, you know,
3: do, do you know who they haven't thrown any cold water on? Uh,
2: <laughs> look at
1: that! Look at that! Uh, get the- I did bring that in, folks. Right. I, I did because. Derek. <laughs> I mean,
3: to be clear, I don't think Kyle and I uh, have asked them if they're in on McHale Bridges no. because there's an assumption that everyone would be, but yeah. I just want to point out the jersey
1: because our Phly Twitter account said. Uh, do time, We're all trying time to, to find some, the guy who sent that one. Time, time <laughs> to do some work and uh, some tampering. And I said, you know what, I might have to just wear my jersey or bring it. So I decided not to wear it, I just brought one of my jerseys in. And um, yeah, you had a good game last night, they lost, and it was frustrating as to the point of the whole. Tweet where he was talking about how and we've seen it here. Nick fans coming into town, well, to taking over the give arena. Nick
2: fans grief for a lot of things, but they it show was, up and they are loud. It was
1: it was bad. Yeah. It was bad. If you were watching that game last night, it was bad to hear anytime the Knicks did anything. Um, yeah, it was bad. So I, I did bring my jersey
2: in for that. But but so with McHale or guys like Markkanen or or like. The higher caliber guy. So, like, we've spent a lot of time talking about on this show, but we've always set it up as it's not really realistic for them to try and go get them. The reason that I think Derek is correct to constantly be like, yeah, I like this guy, but I'm not paying X, Y, Z for him, is because if those opportunities become available, if Mikhail plays more games in Brooklyn that Knicks fans overrun and he and your cousin is just like I'm sick of this shit you won't have any opportunity to get in the mix for him if you've blown two first round picks on a trade for an imperfect guy like a Murray or if you've given up assets to go get Zach Levine and then you have his contract attached to the franchise for the next three four years like the, oppor- the opportunity cost is an important thing to consider when you're talking about moving for these guys. Now, I get the other side of it too, right? Like, my belief, looking at Joel Embiid, the way he's playing right now, is this team should go all in on him. You are, like, I know we say this every year, and it's, like, brought it up the other day, every year he gets better. You're only going to have so many of these types of seasons. And they have the ammo... They have the expiring contracts that those contracts will just come off the books and somebody's going to have to get paid that money and the cap space will be gone as soon as July rolls around. So there's some urgency to get something done. I think there's a great argument to be made to go for it and go for it hard. That just doesn't necessarily mean, you know trading for Murray or Levine or whoever. It might mean get a couple of smaller players and then you still have options later.
3: I struggle with this... So much because what Kyle said is absolutely true. You don't know how many times Joel Embiid is going to be able to average 35 points per game on a 65% <laughs> true shooting. It just doesn't,
2: probably never. Again it not only man. doesn't happen
3: every year, it's literally never happened in the history of the sport. You've got these two, you know, maxi improving to the point where he can be a legitimate running mate. You've only got a couple year window where these two things might overlap. You've got to be aggressive. That being said, in the summer, particularly at the draft, you can have five first-round picks to trade. If somebody, you know, maybe maybe Devon's not able to get this done here in the next couple of weeks, but maybe a slow drip over the next couple of months, he can get an ask out in June. Maybe somebody else like Markkinen asks out, what have you. The Sixers will have the ammunition to go really big game hunting next June and next July, not because of the, you know, I think people look at the Cap space and who's available? That's not really what you're hunting. You're hunting trades. Having five first-round picks to add to Embiid and Maxi, you could see a star going like, "Get me out of here and get me to Philly." That is certainly not impossible, and you'd have the ammunition to trade for it. But you would potentially waste—not waste, because waste, they can contend right now, or at least. Well, we'll get into that, or at least we were going to, and we're, now we're into it. Um, they can contend with almost anyone in the East right now as is, but you're limiting your upside by trying to keep that open. And if nobody becomes available, then you go, oh, shit, like, what is my game here? But conceding that right now and taking yourself out of the running for the next start to become available is tough. It would be tough to do.
1: Ash said I would be in the uh, Sixers Hall of Fame effective immediately yeah. if I got it done. <laughs> Thank you, Ash. I appreciate. We don't that. have the power
2: to induct <laughs> you, but we can make some calls and see uh,
1: see, see what would happen happens. on that. All front. right, we have two more to get to. Uh, Real time says, "Does the media protect Giannis' coach killer rep, Boonhoser?" And now, um, what's going? On, what just happened yeah. with Griffin?
3: So, like, I think people need to stop. Like, there's no like collective media. Certainly, there's no like we've got to protect Giannis. Do they yeah. make a big enough deal of it? I don't know. Like, I think.
1: He's very likable, Giannis. He, now, well, we, but likable we likable until
3: man. he's not. <laughs> until he's not. But he
1: has been that way until he's not. As of late, where a lot of people are starting to, with the ladder thing, yeah, yeah, what yeah. we were talking about earlier in the year with the stuff Giannis that he was doing. Giannis versus the ladder. Like Giannis versus the ladder. One of the
2: great battles in Philadelphia
1: history. Yeah.
3: He was the darling in, like right through that championship run. Certainly the last year, I think, has caused some people to come into question with that. You know, I do think a lot of people are going to look at this and the role he had in Bud and the role he had in bringing in Griffin, I think that'll impact his his, his how he's viewed throughout the league. I don't know if they will necessarily... If
2: like, he doesn't win, it yeah. will. Yeah.
3: And will they look at him as a coach killer? I don't know. But I think there's a lot more scrutiny now. Mm-hmm. A lot more.
2: There's also... So there are several factors here, right? One, even though he's a megastar, he plays in Milwaukee and like people just don't care about the Milwaukee Bucks the way they care about some of the other teams. That's you can say that that's wrong and you can whatever, but that that's just the truth. Like if for example, Nikola Jokic played for the Lakers, people would care about Nikola Jokic more than they do him playing for the Nuggets. Like that's just that is how sports and media and the world kind of works. It's not to say it's right or wrong, that's just how it goes. So There's some of that where he's never going to be scrutinized at the same level of the major East Coast market teams, guys on the Lakers, guys like that, like that, guys on the Celtics, because all the history and whatever, won't happen. But if he wins, nobody gives a shit anyway, right? Like, winning solves everything. The whole reason, if we flip it around and we talk about Joel Embiid, the only reason that people are scrutinizing him and saying, oh, he's a stat patter, he missed this game, he missed that game, is because in the games that they really care about, he has not been good enough. His teams have not been good enough. And we can sit here and give him XYZ reason. He, he hurt this, he hurt his knee, he hurt his hand, he broke his face, like, those are all justifiable excuses. Nobody wants to hear him. Eventually, at the end of the day, I, I try to tell people this all the time, as time passes, as a pro athlete as a person of note all you are eventually is what it says on a wikipedia page it is the numbers it is whether you won it is whether you made an all star team it is whether you made all nba won an mvp whatever it is and so we can sit here with nuance and say giannis has done this giannis has done that giannis does this at the end of the day with Doc Rivers and Dame Lillard and whoever else might come through, if Giannis wins titles, Giannis continues to rack up All NBA All MVPs, whatever. Nobody gives a fuck if he did kill coaches, if he was ruthless, if he was a, if he backstabbed somebody, if he's playing politics behind right. the scenes. Winning wipes away.
3: Everything you know That's was just a, how it works. You know who was a ruthless mf huh. Michael Jordan. Correct. Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Correct. A lot of winners in that group. So. But you have to win. If you're going to act like that, otherwise people will get on so, you.
2: So, to real time's point, I absolutely am keeping an eye on, you know, what Giannis has done, the way his reputation has changed. But nobody's going to give a shit if he wins. Yep. That's the bottom line. Not at all. Ash... My trade
1: deadline stakes are: Does X player strike fear in the Celtics/Heat, leaving them wide open, as teams are going to sell out versus Joel? Uh, what are your thoughts, Derek?
3: Yeah, I want I want gravity at every position, everyone. Gravity and decision making. I want that more than I want points per game, talent, shot creation. I want people who you are deadly afraid of leaving open and people who can make a good decision if you like overextend and close out or just need to swing the ball make the connective pass i want quick decision making and volume three-point shooting and gra- off ball gravity 100 percent.
2: yes with the add-on that i want guys who are in the, you can't just trade for and i don't think you're making this point there but just to be clear you can't trade for guys who are great shooters that are bozos on the other end of the floor. Sure. Like, just competent... You need more
3: than Landry Shaman. Sure. Yes, Yes, that's competent
2: two-way play is the absolute floor for anybody who's being brought in here. 100%. So, I, Ash, I think we're in lockstep on that That being one.
3: said, like, when you have gravity of, like, a J.J. Redick, you, I think you can put yeah. J.J. on the floor... Because his team defense is at least sound enough, he knows what he's doing, and his offensive gravity is so valuable. I'm okay leaning a little towards that side, but it can't be, I mean, like the gravity has to be very legit, and the defensive fundamentals have to at least be sound.
1: Not the slumped shoulders of Seth Curry.
3: Yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Drive me nuts. (laughs) in fairness to him drove Kevin, me nuts, Kevin Herter hit some tough shots in that game it 7 it wasn't just that game 7 it was just the entire <laughs> well, season i give correct. him credit cuz
1: he's a fantastic shooter but my goodness man the, the when you talk about body language we just look, it was always like yeah.
2: this and he's like, kind of oh. a weird dude to cover yeah, too by man. the way like st- his brother is pretty <laughs> gregarious and like one of the faces goodness of the league gracious. for good reason and Seth was a little prickly honestly not didn't dislike him as a person but just he was uh, had, a, had a little bit of a uh a tood
1: yes he did yes yes he did no other way to put it final one bill so sounds like the season is a punt no, he didn't say 100%. that. So who do you think the 76ers will try to target next season with five first-round picks and six second-round picks? There's your answer right there uh, from Derek Botner. The hometown hero. <laughs> There's your answer, Bill.
3: No, I mean, it's, it's whoever becomes available and asks out. It's hard yeah. to predict, and that, that's why this conversation. And we're not saying that
1: he's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a joke. That, yeah, was, a that joke. was a joke. You yeah. wasn't saying. Although,
3: that. like, we're gonna say it off air. We're gonna try to at least get Devon to say it. to He'll be off here air. next
1: uh, next
2: Saturday. But well, not Saturday. in the building. PHY Sixers asked Devon to tamper. <laughs> <He you know? laughs> that being is said, is that the like,
3: headline? <laughs> that's why this conversation is so tough because we have no idea. It's really which star becomes disgruntled and would have an interest in coming to Philly. It's hard to predict that.
1: Yeah. Uh, why but, did Thibault foul on that three? I have no clue, no RC. No clue.
2: Well, Kevin Herger, left side, of the, left side of the floor, right there. And, and to that point about we don't know, I, I just like – there is a belief around the league that once June hits and some of these teams, specifically some of these owners, are looking at the tax bills – management's looking at the downward pressure on, we, can, we can't sign this guy, we can't make this trade, our options are shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. There is some logic around the league and discussions with people, not just with the Sixers, all over the league, that it could get wild this summer and in parts of this summer. Again, there you have to balance that, as all of us have said against the responsibility that you have with Joel Embiid at this level to put a title team on the floor. I think the, the good thing is right now, based on not to overdo the net rating and all that stuff, like everything says with their lineup together and healthy, they are an elite basketball team. So that that gives them – some solidity here that they could justify if they push off a multiple first round picks trade into the future. But it is a really dangerous line to walk when you might have the best chance. Milwaukee's vulnerable. They look like Boston is extremely good, deserves to be the favorite in the East. But first game they played in this season, it certainly showed that the Sixers can hang with them. So this is not – there is not the 73-9 and 9 Warriors out there. There is not the LeBron James-led juggernaut out there. There is no runaway favorite to me right now, even if Boston deserves the, the favorite status in the East. So – you want to try. You have to split the difference in a lot of ways, and that is really tough. I do not envy the job that Daryl and the rest of the front office have ahead I mean, of them.
3: I'll I'll take his job. <laughs> well, I take the, the pay- paycheck. The pay's a little better, and you get to run a team. It is. There are some tough decisions
1: though. Oh man! Well, a lot of fun from everybody here today. An extended one. We'll be back tomorrow when the Sixers take on the Indiana Pacers in Indiana. and The new look Pacers with Pascal Siakam. Tyrese Halliburton, was he out last night? He didn't play in that game last night. He did not play, But he played in the game before. We'll see if he's back for the Sixers uh, tomorrow night. And we'll have post-game coverage for you. All three of us will be here uh, on the feed, so make sure you tell a friend and tell the other friend and all the other friends to make sure you tap in. And uh, check
2: us out here on the PHLY. You want to say goodbye to a lot of people. I do want to say goodbye. We had so many super chats. It's
1: not and goodbye.
3: Comments. See you later. Uh, we'll see, you tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. see you later. Yeah,
2: that's a tomorrow. better way of putting it. Thank you, as always, everybody for showing up today for us, even with the Eagles in the midst of a ridiculous press conference. And we started I getting updates. Vic Fangio got fired <laughs> <Yeah. by laughs> in Miami. He's now it's the front runner home. for DC, and you guys still stayed here with us. I love y'all for that. So I got to shout out my guys and gals. Eugene Ross, R.C. Burroughs, Dave, Ash, Miles, Brian Knight, Liam Stevens, Randy Rubert, Corey, my guy Will, I know was here in the beginning and specifically said hello. What up, Will? Shout out to Will. Derek Bodner, I can't believe they let that guy in here every day. Kane, Furious, Sam S., let's see, John Dickerson. I know we had real time. I know we had... Bernard, I know we had just Jay. J A Y. What Jay. up? Jay, thank you for being with us. We have Bill. I'll give Ash another shout out because he also hit us with a, a super chat today. Bootzilla, Kenneth Adams. I know I saw my guy Al, the two minute warning here what? today. Very Al, early. Because yes. Al on Twitter <laughs> yesterday, and most of you could take notes from Al. Actually apologize for not being here. That is a true diehard right there. We love you, Al. He said sorry. I think I saw Hypothetical Man. I see James Meehan, Marty Bones. There's so many of you guys. What up, Bones? Devon Gibbons. What are you, two of you were in the chat? What is going on? (laughs) Anyway, if you haven't already, guys, hit that subscribe button on the way out. If you hit the bell icon, that will give you notifications each and every time we go live. And if you hit the thumbs up button, it will guarantee you that Doc Rivers never becomes the Sixers head coach again. So make sure you do that on the way out. You know why. We will see you tomorrow
0: night we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data